Pints with Jack, Season 4, Episode 46. The Screwtape Letters. Letter 23. In Christ Alone. Welcome, everyone. Pints with Jack is your weekly C.S. Lewis podcast, where Matt, Andrew, and I break down and discuss the works of C.S. Lewis. This season, we're eavesdropping on the correspondence of a senior demon, Screwtape, as he explains how to tempt the patient, a human assigned to be tempted by Screwtape's nephew, Wormwood. Each week, we'll consider a different letter, untwist Screwtape's hellish logic, and form a battle plan for our own spiritual lives. And today, I'm joined by a very special guest co-host, our audio engineer, Mr. Taylor Schroll. Hello! <laughs> now, at this point, I'd normally read a bio that I found on our guest's website, but Taylor's one is just far too long. So, Taylor, who are you? <laughs> yes, I'm far too successful to limit <laughs> into one paragraph. Uh, I am. I, I work. I work with you. That's that's the biggest and most important thing in my life. The the highlight of my career. Uh, so I, I run a Catholic nonprofit called Forte Catholic, where our, our whole goal is to make Catholicism fun again, bring the joy of the gospel to people. So uh, you know, back whenever you know the the world was open, I would travel, give talks, lead worship, and now it's mostly digital stuff. Digital stuff. So like my podcast, and I uh, you know edit some other great podcasts, and also this one. And this one as well. <laughs> exactly. And uh, your show, Forte Catholic, is known for its consistently high caliber of guests. Uh, I have been on it as well. Um, you know, just to throw your bone when you were getting started in the early days. <laughs> but what kind of stuff do you do there? Yeah, so a lot of it is like if if youth group grew up and was 15 years older. That's what the show is. So it's like when, like when kids, when people went to youth group, it was like you'd play play games, you'd eat food, and then the youth minister would tell a story, and then like the last three minutes, he would tie all that together into a little snippet about Jesus. Like that's what every segment of the show is. Uh, so it's just youth group for grownups. And that was pretty much what happened when I came on, because at the very end, you blew my mind by suggesting that Aslan, get this, Aslan is kind of like Jesus. I mean, I, I, it just amazes me that no one has seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's wonderful to have you here today. Uh, one more little piece of housekeeping before we get onto our standard episode segments. At the time of recording, we are only a few away from having 100 supporters on Patreon. And I just want to say that I'm going to send out a gift to our 100th supporter. So if you've thought about joining, but you haven't quite pulled the trigger, now might be a good time to do that. And with that, let's turn to the song of the week. In today's letter, there are two main themes. The reimagining of Jesus under different ideological lines, and the usurping of faith by politics. And so I had a few choices. I had Just Give Me Jesus by Unspoken, Only Jesus by Casting Crowns, Jesus Messiah by Chris Tomlin, spotting a trend here. Uh, but in the end, I went with In Christ Alone by Stuart Townsend, since it both speaks about who Jesus is and affirms that it's by him and in him that we put our trust as opposed to earthly hopes. And if you're unfamiliar with this wonderful song, here's a little bit of the lyrics. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand. And since there's a lot of talk in the media and pulpits in recent months following uh, the recent election about the relationship between Christianity and politics, for the quote of the week, I had to choose the section where Uncle Screwtape unpacks his hellish point of view on the subject. He writes this. Our position is more delicate. Certainly, we do not want men to allow their Christianity to flow into their political life, for the establishment of anything like a really just society would be a major disaster. On the other hand, we do want, and very much, to make men treat Christianity as a means. The thing to do is to get your man to first value social justice as a thing which the enemy demands, and then work him onto the stage where he values Christianity because it may produce social justice. Now on to the drink of the week. Taylor, are you drinking anything? 
I am. My throat has been bothering me because I just had a little bit of allergy, allergy season. And then I coach our local track team at our at our, uh, our local Catholic high school. And so I my throat already hurt. And then I yelled at kids for eight hours yesterday. <laughs> they went to bed way too late, woke up way too early. So I am drinking uh, high quality H2O. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I'm enjoying a Belvany Double Wood. It's 17 year. Uh, the tasting notes are that the color is a deep amber. The nose, honey, yep, malt, definitely. Vanilla, it says unripe bananas, which is scarily accurate, and green <laughs> apples. Uh, it says the body is creamy, the palate is dried fruit, malt, vanilla, cinnamon, and cloves, and the finish is lengthy with softly spiced oak. So let's see how that goes. Hmm. All I can taste now is unripe bananas. It's it's kind of weird, <laughs> you know. And it's, so like editing this show, and I've heard other shows that do like uh, drink of the week, and it's one of those things where it's just like I love whiskey and ni- nice scotch and all that kind of stuff, but it's just like uh, Taylor, what did you taste here? And some people are like, oh, bananas, and there was a little bit of a uh, <laughs> little bit of uh, a, a peed there, and I'm just like tasted like whiskey. So <laughs> I don't know, whiskey tastes like whiskey to me. <laughs> yeah, it's the the dirt and the rusty nails and the used band aids. You know, it's the usual the usual taste. <laughs> uh, but one thing that I heard recently is that the the tax there was some kind of tax war that was going on between the U.S. and the U.K. and uh, that has now apparently come to an end. So I am. Highly hopeful for cheaper scotches in coming months. It was because of you and I. Like we we bartered that together. Uh, I represented my side really hard. You kind of folded. So I mean, we got we, we got it. We, we got it worked out. Peace among worlds. Okay. Well, we have our drinks. I have my uh, my my lovely scotch. You have your lovely H two O. So we're gonna toast uh, a gold level Patreon supporter. And today we're toasting Matt B. Matt, may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you. May you put your trust in him, and may he give you peace. Cheers. Cheers. I think that was the most Bible-y toast we've had in quite a while, actually. I know. I, th- I You said cheers, and I was like, amen? I know I'm supposed <laughs> to say cheers. But <laughs> well, let's get on to the 100-word summary for Letter 23, which was first published in The Guardian on the 3rd of October, 1941. Screwtape has a new strategy. He will corrupt the patient's faith and turn him into a Pharisee. He will begin by getting the patient to focus on the historical Jesus, which is the most recent reimagining of Christ. This separates the patient from reality and reduces Christ to simply a teacher who taught whatever ideas are currently fashionable. Then, all they have to do is to allow the patient to take these ideas to the political arena and to view his Christianity as a means to these political ends, rather than an end in itself. It's really funny doing this, knowing that you're going to go back through and listen and add some very pretty music, and that it's just <laughs> going to be fading out at this point. <laughs> the, be- the best part about, like, on, on my show is I used to do the music live, like, while we were recording, so me and the co-host would dance, <laughs> and then I started putting it in post, and now they just dance to nothing, and it doesn't match the music, and it's my favorite part of the recording every week. <laughs> Well, in season five, we might have something a little bit more upbeat and funky. You know, what what the, what the youths are listening to these days? The Beatles. Totally. Or Queen. I periodically get asked what I think the greatest British band is, and everybody expects me to say the Beatles. I think it's Queen. Beatles are so overrated. Don't tell, don't tell David I said that. <laughs> okay, good. I won't. <laughs> okay, so let's look at this letter. Now, if listeners will recall, in the previous letter, we heard about the new lady in the patient's life. She is a Christian girl of great virtue, and needless to say, Screwtape is not very happy. Well, today he's even less happy, uh, and he begins his letter by saying, Through this girl and her disgusting family, the patient is now getting to know more Christians every day, and very intelligent Christians too. And Screwtape says that since it's going to be impossible to remove spirituality from the patient's life anytime soon... They must instead corrupt it. And he says, The world and the flesh have failed us. A third power remains. And success of this third kind is the most glorious of all. What do you make of this strategy, Taylor? Man, like right from the beginning, I think it hit me in a particular way. So like this this book is my favorite spiritual book 
period. So having you just invite me at, at all onto this, it's ironic because ever since I started listening to the show more, I want to read more Lewis, but you're in the one Lewis book I've ever read. So it's perfect. <laughs> I like, I've read this one thrice and the other ones zero times. But uh, like right here from the beginning, I think I needed to like rehear this today. Like this is my like third third time going through this book they have to give up on the tactic that they've been using this entire time and like yes come up with a third tactic but they're essentially saying like he is connected to a christian community and that christian community is intelligent and sharing about sharing intelligently about christianity with him and it just hit me that just like because you know a lot of community has been lost over the last year so Mm -hmm. just like the importance of having people around you, one that are just Christian. Period. Uh, you know, so find yourself a, 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 a what does he say? Bad family, ugly family, a disgusting family. <laughs> find yourself a, a good distrust, disgusting uh, group of, of of wonderful Christians to be around, and like that, like just like that fact that even the demons know that like community and like knowledge of the faith is important. Uh, just kind of hit me again. Just I, I've been thinking about that a lot. Just that we we need each other. And the whole, you know, knowledge of, of the faith. So learning new things. Every new thing we learn about God's another reason to love him. And how they just they just give up. They're not even like let's attack that. That they're like, you know, it's like you walk up to a, a, a fortress with a hundred foot walls, you're like, Yeah, we'll come back another time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll build a giant wooden badger. <laughs> Was that reference a bit too obscure? Probably. I mean I didn't know it was a reference. I thought you were referencing like the famous horse and just made it a badger. I thought you were making a joke and I laughed. <laughs> it's what they they do the same thing in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. They first gotcha. of all start something a giant ra- giant wooden rabbit and then when that fails they want to try and build a giant wooden badger. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I was distracting you. Please continue. Oh no, I think I was done. I think I distracted you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just as you were talking there, it, it's not in my notes, but I was just thinking of the Benedict option. Uh, and I think this is the central idea behind the Benedict option, that we form communities uh, that are life-giving, that people can be invited into, and that this is a kind of stronghold that Screwtape and his minions do not like. They know that they're on a, on a, on a losing tack if, if they continue as they have before. They've got to sh- shift things up the way that they are shifting it up here like uh man this it's it's so providential that we're talking about this because like i read like a spoiled saint you, you said the pharisee like those are the first two names that that uh, that lewis mentions here and like talking about like let's take the faith that he's in because he's not going anywhere and let's start to twist it and try to manipulate it and like how not only damaging that can be for the patient but how damaging it can be for community like here in our community like we just had two of our faith leaders make huge mistakes and be removed from leadership and it's hurting our community and just how like those were two people who were in they were in the group like they were not only in but they were leaders right and mm. they were like oh they're starting to, you know screw tapes twisting that and it's not only affecting their faith and their relationship with god but starts to affect that com- that community right so like not only is this third tactic can can harm the patient but also can harm that community that he's in now too Exactly. And whenever you hear of a famous Christian, famous Christian leader, do something bad, whatever it's going to be, I can't help but think that, okay, Satan really won one here. You know, it, where else is he going to attack other than uh, the people who are making a huge difference? And I think that's a good reason we should pray for our leaders uh, every day. There's a rich theological tradition of talking about the world, the flesh, and the devil. But the third the third power that Screwtape is talking about here is, is a little bit subtler than simply demonic attack. He's talking about twisted spirituality, which is what Satan is. He, something made good that has been twisted beyond all recognition. Screwtape wants to lean on the idea of religion gone wrong. And in this letter, he talks about uh, a spoiled saint, a Pharisee, an inquisitor or a magician. They make much better sport in hell than a mere common tyrant uh, or, or a debauchee. And once we finish the Screwtape letters, we're going to read Screwtape Proposes a Toast. And in, in that work, Screwtape has actually got very positive things, very, very enthusiastic things to talk about with regards to religion. Uh, and I pulled out this quotation. He says, The fine flower of unholiness can grow only in the close neighborhood of the holy. Nowhere do we tempt so successfully as on the very steps of the altar. So while I completely agree with your point about we need strong communities and 
this is why I'm a big fan of the Benedict option, (laughs) Screwtape isn't done at that point. Screwtape then goes on and he has an assessment of the patient's new friends and he evaluates what he thinks is the best strategy moving forward. And he says it's going to be the borderline between theology and politics. He says that some of his new friends are very much alive to the social implications of their faith. And he says that in itself is a bad thing, but we can twist it and make some, well, what he regards as good out of it. And I'll admit, I was a little nervous when preparing this episode, because as I mentioned in the introduction, the relationship between faith and politics has been very much talked about here in the United States following the election race between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Uh, And then I realized that Taylor was coming on to talk with me, and that just made me scared. So, Taylor, (laughs) tread very carefully, please. (laughs) Man, it's it's interesting that, again, interesting that you brought me on for this one, because, like, I think because of a lot of things in this letter, I am pretty, like, politically averse. Like, I don't like at least how modern politics is, is played out, how, you know, you can't. We can't meet in the middle anymore at all. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, if you and I disagree about something, you're like, you know, your whiskey tastes like bananas. And I'm like, no, it tastes like ripe bananas. And then we can't be friends anymore. And we have to take shots at each other's families. It's just like, what, why? Why, why? Why do we have to do that? But so when it comes to, to politics, I think there's it's interesting because like I think the part that I struggle with within politics is actually the first part that that screw tape is writing against that like. Obviously, we don't want Christians to be involved in politics because then it would bring about actual change. So I think like my my danger is being so averse to how politics is handled that I try to stay away from it. But then here here I am in the middle of Texas. I grew up in the most uh, conservative county in the most conservative state in the nation. And I, 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 th- I have found that there are huge ties, especially here. I know a lot of places, but especially here between religion and politics. And like you're saying with, with, with the song, it's one of my favorite songs ever. Like it, in, it's in Christ alone and Christ first. And then our Christianity bleeding into all the parts of our lives, our, our work, our family, our, and then our, and our politics as well. But so often here, uh, I have seen so many church people uh, friends of mine, uh, people going to my church that religion, uh, that politics is the primary religion. And then Jesus is tacked on to that. Or it's like, let me make my political point by using Jesus or using faith. And I, I can't stand it. I really can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I live in Southern California, which has a slightly different environment to Texas. So tread lightly, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure who I'm more scared of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Screwtape mentions that he's going to corrupt him with politics. But before he really starts digging into how they're going to twist religion into politics and mess the whole thing up, Screwtape takes what initially seemed to me to be a rather strange and major detour for most of the letter. He eventually comes back to it at the end. But this is how he begins the next section. You'll find that a good many Christian political writers think that Christianity began going wrong and departing from the doctrine of its founder at a very early stage. Now, this idea must be used by us to encourage once again the conception of a historical Jesus to be found by clearing away later accretions and perversions, so additions and distortions, and then to be contrasted with the whole Christian tradition. And Screwtape goes on and explains that in the previous generation, so given the time that Lewis was writing this, this would have been the generation before World War II. So in that generation, they promoted a historical Jesus along the lines of what he calls liberal and humanitarian lines. He says that their new historical Jesus is being promoted along Marxian, catastrophic and revolutionary lines. What do you make of all this? <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because like I went, like in, in undergrad, I studied... At, at at a theo- like in a, in a theology department that did a lot of study into the historical Jesus, and I started seeing a lot of the things that uh, that Lewis is talking about here. And when he's talking about the early Christians, I think it's it's so funny that like here in the same letter he's talking about like how it is good for the like it's actually good for the patient, so bad for Screwtape and, and Wormwood uh, that he's around intelligent Christians. 
because there's a point where like learning new things about God, just like, you know, you, you with your bride, like the more things you learn about her, the more you can fall in love with her, especially in that early time of dating and that sort of thing. But then there's also a point that if you take it too far and your whole, your whole faith starts to become intellectual, you know, looking into the historic of Jesus, learning things about Jesus, so seeing all the criticism and all this stuff. And like, I started learning about it and I was like, okay, now this is starting to affect my faith negatively. So it's just this, it's this contrast between the early Christians. He says that they only had the resurrection and, and redemption. And then everything was built off of that. Uh, and I think a lot of times we, we, and you know, we're the patient especially like come at it from, like, oh, let's add all these other things on it. And like, I, I found myself so many times like studying theology. I, th- I studied it in, in undergrad and grad school and I'm interested in it. So even a- after school, I'm like, let's learn new things about Jesus. And I'm constantly, cause that's you know, stimulating your mind and all these things. And I realized, you know, I've been reading books about Jesus for three weeks and I haven't talked to him in three weeks. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, like, uh, you know, my screw tape one <laughs> for those three weeks or whatever. Uh, it's funny that earlier you mentioned every new thing that we learn about God is another reason to love him. Uh, the same professor, he's actually now at the Augustine Institute, uh, Dr. Michael Barber, he would always he would always mention that. Uh, but another thing he would say in all of his talks is that we, we shouldn't talk about God more than we talk to God, which I think is a, an, another good balancing technique because I, I've been exactly the same. When I get all excited about theology and particularly the more esoteric and weird parts of it, uh, and it can actually draw me away from the faith. But Screwtape here is talking about something that's even worse than that, because the historical Jesus that Screwtape wants the patient to think about isn't historical at all. Because he says that every 30 years or so, they refresh it. They, they, they change what this historical Jesus is now like. And he says that there are some real advantages to doing this. He gets four in total. On the first one, he says, in the first place, they all tend to direct men's devotion to something which does not exist, for each historical Jesus is unhistorical. But this then kind of begs the question, how, how do they make up this new Jesus, this newly imagined Jesus? And Screwtape says that they do it by suppressing one point in the New Testament and exaggerating another. Because he yeah. says, by and large, we've, we've got fixed data here. So what we need to do is suppress some, exaggerate others. And he's got this wonderful little section where he talks about encouraging sort of wild speculation. And he says, when, when they do this, we've got to remember to make sure that they think this is brilliant. So that the brilliant scholar is the one who makes the most outlandish claims possible. This is actually exactly what St. Augustine said in the 4th, 5th century. He said, this is what heretics do. He says they, they, they've always got some kernel of truth there, but they, they, they don't balance scripture properly. They will exaggerate some things or downplay others. That's how you end up in uh, modalism, uh, how you end up in polytheism. All, you, all you've got to do is you take this one little verse out of context, place all of your weight on that, and suddenly Jesus starts looking very different. Yeah, we start conforming Jesus to what we want him to look like, which in almost all of our cases is what we look like. You know, it's like the things that are important to us, instead of us conforming to him, we're conforming him to us. And like, you you know, I see it a lot with like, only God can judge me and the God will forgive me for doing all these things. It's like, yes, there is a point where God will forgive you. Like God will forgive you for anything that you ask for forgiveness for. But at the same time, He's also just like, you know, it's it's that same thing you were talking about. Like, let's get rid of the justice part because I want to live my life the way that I want to live it. And uh, yeah, just just those little tweaks, even things out of balance, because there's so many things that we that we have to balance, you know, Uh, like mercy and justice and and, all the things like with prudence. You know, prudence is right in the middle. We we, we can oscillate back and forth between all, all these different things. God's somewhere somewhere in the middle. And earlier when you were talking about over-intellectualizing the faith, that's just another lack of balance. It's, you know, in Scripture we're told to worship God with all of our mind, heart, soul, and strength, not just our mind alone. And in Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, we see what happens when you head down that route with the Episcopal ghost, who he is the person that wants to come up with a new historical Jesus. And he has ideas which are cutting edge and new and exciting and unorthodox. And he revels in it. And this is the very thing that leads to a crop of books and documentaries every Easter without fail, purporting to reveal the real truth about Jesus. Yeah, and this learned person who has studied and, and thinks they have something new 
has nothing on the early Christians who just had the resurrection and redemption. And like, I, I think for like, even within myself, when I'm fighting back and forth between, uh, you know, uh, my faith being doing really well and falling into all these traps that screw tape is laying. How I get out of that is returning to the simple truths of faith. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus died for me, which holds the two truths of my sin means something because he died. And then there's also that forgiveness and, you know, Jesus wins whenever he, he comes back to life uh, and brings us all invites us all into that. And that's our redemption. And like, so it's it's one of those things like yes it's good to learn things but ultimately we have to keep coming back to these basic truths because um, I'd much rather be like one of the early Christians than the brilliant scholar creating a new Jesus to to fit you know my own my what what I want Jesus to be so I can live the, my life the way that I want to. Well, actually, very nicely segues into the next advantage that Screwtape lists. So the first advantage of doing all of this is that you have an ever changing unhistorical Jesus, but he says also that. All such constructions place the importance of the historical Jesus in some particular theory he is supposed to have promulgated. So under this construction, Jesus is important not because of who he is, but the ideas that he publicly promoted. And I would suggest that it's for this very issue that Lewis presents his trilemma in Mere Christianity, where he says... Speaking of Christ, you can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. You stole my only other non-screw tape Lewis quote that I was going to bring in <laughs> later, so I've got nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> well, I-, I do have to point out that we have covered two other books on our podcast, so you could go back and listen to The Great Divorce or Till We Have Faces. Currently, I've only listened to your podcast when you pay me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor is the worst fan ever. <laughs> Where would Matt be if he only ever listened to Taylor Swift if she was paying him? I saw Taylor Swift in concert when she was 13 before she got famous. And then she got famous, so I, I did it. I, it was me <laughs> in the crowd. <laughs> I really want to ask more questions, but I also don't. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably smart. Tread lightly. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, what was I going to say? Oh, yes, that was the other thing. Uh, Following on from the trilemma, uh, Lewis wrote another essay in God in the Dock where he wrote uh, the title of it's uh, What Are We to Make of Jesus? And he, he comes back to this point. He says he was never regarded as a mere moral teacher. He didn't produce that effect in any of the people that actually met him. He said he produced three effects, hatred, terror, and adoration. He says there was no trace of people expressing mild approval. And this reminds me of a book by Dr. Peter Kreeft, who, by the way, he's going to be doing a, an online C.S. Lewis course for the Archdiocese of San Francisco this summer. Uh, I'm going to get someone from the Archdiocese onto the show to talk about it, but write that in your, in your calendars. But Dr. Kreeft has a book called Jesus Shock. And it's based on a very simple idea that the name of Jesus is shocking and the reactions he elicits in people are shocking. And this whole attempt of screw tape just to turn him into another teacher and a rather benign one at that is never really going to succeed. Now, in this section where he's talking about this second advantage, Screwtape has got a really interesting aside. And I want to know what you make of this. He says... We must first make Christ solely a teacher and then conceal the very substantial agreement between his teachings and those of all other great moral teachers. For humans must not be allowed to notice that all great moralists are sent by the enemy not to inform men, but to remind them, to restate the primeval moral platitudes against our continual concealment of them. We make the sophists. He raises up Socrates to answer them. Yeah, man, I went to a retreat 15 years ago. And when I I haven't thought about that retreat in years, and then reading this again uh, in preparation for this episode, it hit me. It was it was all about returning to your first love. You know, it talks. Mm. It talks it's a quote from or a, a scripture from Revelation about how we need to return to the love that we first had, the love how we when we first fell in love with God. Ever since then, it's like you know I like to try to come up with like new creative ways to share the gospel, but it's the same gospel that we've had for for two thousand years and. 
we often can try and fall into these traps of like, we're going to create something new and then maybe even make a mistake and like, oh, we're, you know, creating a new Jesus that doesn't actually exist. But if we, if we are continually reminded and, and recalled, it's like reminding the stuff, like the, the whole, like things that are written on our heart, right? Love God, love your neighbor. Uh, the Ten Commandments, like these basic, basic truths are are written on our heart. And those are the things that we need to be reminded of. And, uh, you know, we we talk about the transcendentals all the time. The true, what's true, good and beautiful, like Socrates, Plato, like almost everything that they talk about is true, good and beautiful. They weren't Jewish. They weren't Christian. They weren't God's chosen people, but they were seeking truth. So what did they find? They found part of God. They found part of this truth. So we do have these great moral teachers who are reminding us of of these truths but then we also have this the, the same connection within those same few sentences of jesus is a moral teacher but he's not just a moral teacher and there's this there's this connection between like i can hear a moral teacher i don't know if you could pick this up from david you probably do just from knowing me but uh like <laughs> I, I wasn't always a person to listen to my teachers growing up <laughs> like that's not that's not just part of my uh part of part of who i am like i can choose to not listen to a teacher i really i really can so if jesus is just a moral teacher i can choose to Nah, I, I, I'm not going to listen to that part. I'm going to pick and choose the things that I'm going to I'm going to listen to. But if he's more than just a moral teacher, if he's somebody whose teaching connects with who he is and his life and it's supposed to connect with my life, then that's a whole nother thing entirely. So I think that's why Screwtape is like just trying to get his focus on the he's just a good moral teacher that I don't have to have strong feelings about, because I think you know, even as you were saying, like the, the three ways that we can react to Jesus and how it's strong. I think like my generation, like me and, and my friends, like pe- my friends, my age, 30, I'm 31 years old. My friends who have left the church and are leaving the church aren't leaving because of a strong feeling. They just don't feel anything. They don't, it's, just, it's just a complacency. I just, I, I just, I don't care. You know, Jesus is, you know, he's a pretty good dude, but I'm kind of done with that. Mm. And and, and and I think that's the, one of the scariest things of our my generation is, yeah, I just it's fine. <laughs> Jesus is fine. He could stay over there, but I'm not going to. He's nothing more than that. Yeah, they've they've managed to neuter him somehow. At the apathy has managed to take what is a radical message and make it a little ho hum. Another thing that I thought of when I was reading this is that if I'm just looking to live a better moral life. I actually don't have to have Jesus. And that sounds kind of shocking. But what I mean is there have been many great moral teachers down through the centuries. They get a bit weird recently, but there, you know, I could go to Socrates and Aristotle and they, they set an incredibly high bar for me to meet that I'm going to fail. But another part of the difference between them and Jesus is that Jesus gives me his Holy Spirit so that I can live out the life he's calling me to live. It's not just simply a set of do's and don'ts, but a a relationship that is meant to be able to feed me in order to live the life that he's calling me to live so that the father eventually looks at me and sees Jesus because I've been transformed more and more like his son. Clearly a little away from that at the moment, just a bit. <laughs> and it's you're, it's built in. He knows that you're going to fail. Like he 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 knew when he created you. He knew when he created me that we were going to fail. Like living up everything that Christianity says is just as hard as living up to everything that Aristotle laid out. Uh, but you know, Aristotle expected perfection. Jesus expects perfection, but you know, he's like be be just like me or uh, uh, be perfect like my heavenly Father is perfect. But when you mess up, I'll be there to catch you and walk with you. And I set my spirit to be, to, to mm-hmm. help you. It's not just a coach saying like, you know, here, you know, jog 24 miles and I'm going to drive to the end and I'll meet you there. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to drag it with you. You know, so that's a big difference there. Mm. And, and while we're just clarifying things, we've been saying Socrates throughout this discussion. I recently watched Bill and Ted's most excellent adventure. And I believe it's pronounced Socrates. I did hear that recently. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, have you seen the third movie yet? No. And, and you said yet like I'm going to. No. <laughs> you strike me as a Bill and Ted fan. I watched the first one. I didn't know there was a second one until I heard that there was a third one coming. <laughs> it, it's really great. They get to meet Death. Awesome. I, I met Death in the Marvel comics, so I think I'm good. <laughs> 
Okay, we're a little distracted, so we've covered the that first... never happens with me. No, never. No, never. <laughs> we've covered the first two advantages that Screwtape gives, and he then gives a third. He says that when they come up with this historical Jesus, again, a new one every 30 years or so, he says that they substitute real contact with God through word and sacrament. And he says that they replace it with a merely probable, remote, shadowy, and uncouth figure. One who spoke a strange language and died a long time ago. Such an object cannot, in fact, be worshipped. Instead of the creator adored by its creature, you soon have a merely a leader acclaimed by a partisan, and finally a distinguished character approved by a judicious historian. It's really very similar to that first advantage. You're replacing the real and the substantial with just a shadow. It's like when you read about Jesus and you don't crack open the Gospels and encounter him in God's word. Because that's that's the Jesus that changes lives. I'm seeing two groups that we've already kind of broke started to discuss. The group that it, it's everything you know, I, like for me, like I've been in the church, I've worked in the church for over a decade, and I've been in the church for almost my entire life, and I can even feel this like this comfortability with Jesus, and it's like. Is he my God or is he just kind of this, you know, this person I know a lot of stuff about? Not really somebody to be worshipped, but like he's the guy or he could even be the guy that signs my paychecks. You know, like it's, it's like but like not necessarily my, my Lord who I need to to worship. And on the other side, it's just like uh, a, a distinguished character approved by a judicious historian, a, a leader acclaimed by a partisan. I start thinking about like you can use Jesus to like we hear like here like in, on the gun debate you can use the both people on the sides of gun debates and and abortion and all these big topic things can use scripture quotes to back up their claims they can use things about Jesus and i think i i would say both maybe some more than others are like they're saying things that are true cuz the scripture is true they're quoting scripture but not without that balance that we discussed at the beginning of the, of the show of like not you know it's like guys you're using these scriptures you're using these maybe if we combine them we'd actually find <laughs> the real answer you know so um i think there's a little bit of that in there as well yeah quoting scripture isn't that clever satan does that to jesus in the te- in the desert <laughs> uh, I, I remember seeing it a little while ago somebody posted this on one of the facebook groups and it was one of those inspiring Bible quotations. And it was, worship me and I will give you the world. <laughs> and that sounds all kinds of inspiring until you realize that was one of the things that Satan said to Jesus <laughs> during the temptation in the desert. It's like it's inspiring until you find out who actually said it. So, uh, yeah, quoting scripture is, is good and uh, often life-giving, but it's not without its abuses. Yeah, it's like the Bible says there is no God. It's but right before that says a fool says there is no God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So the fourth and final advantage from the historical Jesus, Screwtape says no nation and few individuals are really brought into the enemy's camp by the historical study of the biography of Jesus simply as biography, and that sounds a little shocking. What what does he mean by this? Is he saying that nobody comes to faith in Christ by looking at the evidence? and reading the Gospels? Within my youth group, like there's a couple of kids, like most of my kids come like come to faith have an account, because they have an encounter with Jesus at a retreat, at a youth night, in prayer, something like that. There have been the rare few who are like my brilliant like IQs out the wazoo, and, and, and there's been a couple of kids that were like, they were learning about Jesus and they were trying to figure it out and trying to make it make sense in their head. And they were reading things that were biographical about Jesus, uh, reading things that were, you know, even the gospels or books explaining the gospels or books explaining things in history and what the father said, like really brilliant 16 year olds. And they were there for a while, but they didn't encounter faith. They didn't encounter Jesus. And then all, you know, these two or three kids that I'm thinking about eventually had an experience where they were like, okay, I think I believe that this is real. And at that point, the all the biography and everything that they learned finally set in place because it had its center in this this person that I know is mm-hmm. the person that I've been hearing about this entire time. But all up until that point, it was, this is just a person that I'm hearing about and learning about, just like we can learn facts about Abraham Lincoln 
I don't. I have never had an encounter with Abraham Lincoln because he's dead. <laughs> the person that they've been reading about died and Rosegated is still alive, so you can still encounter that person. I think that's a fantastic answer. I had some notes, but they're rubbish in comparison to that. Bravo. I didn't plan on talking about Abraham Lincoln being dead, but here we are. <laughs> uh, and this is the point where we get in the letter to what you alluded to earlier. He said that people were converted to Christianity by a single historical fact, the resurrection, and a single theological doctrine, the redemption. If we depart from that, we've got issues. I once heard uh, another Catholic speaker they said that they always try and make sure that in every talk they ever give, they present the kerygma, the, the proclamation of the gospel. They said, I don't, it doesn't matter what I'm talking about. I could be talking about sacraments. I could be talking about social justice. doesn't matter. I'm going to make sure that the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ gets preached in what I say and that I present an invitation for people to enter into relationship with Christ. And I, I've seen the difference in talks where that is present and where it's not. You can have some very brilliant talks, you know, intellectually stimulating and all the rest. But there's, there's a difference. There's a change in the power of, of a talk when the gospel itself is actually presented clearly. And those, those two things, the historical fact of the resurrection and the doctrine of the redemption, are clearly presented to the audience. Yeah, Taylor's pretty good at the doing the talky talk, but Taylor's <laughs> much better when he has God on his side. <laughs> Now, one thing that he says just after this, he says that when the early Christians converted, the one thing that they had going for them was the fact that although they were pagans, they had a sense of sin. They had this idea that they had fallen short of the glory of God, as St. Paul would put it. And that's something that I think we as moderns, we're not quite so ready to admit the fact that, that we might actually need some help that we might actually realize that we have some bad news and then when we hear good news, we recognize it as good rather than, oh my goodness, you're putting all of these restrictions on me now. That doesn't sound very good newsy at all. Right. Or like, I think a lot of times how I've, like, I, I feel this within myself and I've shared this with people and like enough people have agreed with me. And I don't think it's how everybody experiences the world, but I think there are so many people that experience the world oscillating back and forth. For me, it's every 13 seconds where I'm God's gift to earth and I am crummy <laughs> and shouldn't be allowed in public. And it just back and forth and back and forth. So hearing that you're a sinner, that you've messed up is hard for the one side that thinks that you're, you know, it's hard on either side, really either that I'm sin or that I'm a sinner and I'm I've messed up is agreeing with the parts of me that I think are the worst. That just makes me even more sad. It's like you're right, I am. Or it's attacking the other side. It's like, well, maybe I'm not God's gift to Earth because I know that I'm a sinner, right? And I think I think we all go through feeling both of those things mm. and being approached with with our sin is difficult. Which is again, we have to balance these things out. We have to balance it with this basic thing that the, that the early church has that we need to return to of redemption you know and yes jesus faced our sin for us but he also gave us redemption and holding those two things together at all times uh, is going to bring you know bring us that uh, that integrity within our own selves well it's at this point that Screwtape then finally circles back to the comment that he began this letter with talking about mixing faith and politics and using the politics to corrupt the faith and he finally unpacks why he's been talking so much about the historical Jesus. And this was the quote of the week that I read at the beginning. About the general connection between Christianity and politics, our position is more delicate. Certainly, we do not want men to allow their Christianity to flow over into their political life, for the establishment of anything like a really just society would be a major disaster. On the other hand, we do want, and very much, to make men treat Christianity as a means, preferably, of course, as a means to their own advancement. But failing that as a means to anything, even social justice. The thing to do is to get a man at first to value social justice as a thing which the enemy demands, and then work on him to the stage at which he values Christianity, because it may produce social justice. And if talking about politics and religion wasn't tough enough, the phrase social justice now has an awful lot of baggage with it. <laughs> right, it does, yeah. I was like, you really brought me on to this, uh, on the touchiest, maybe the touchiest uh, chapter of the whole book. So thanks, I appreciate that. Um, but I, I think it's all summed up 
it's all summed up. And like as I was reading it, like there's the second thing that punched me in, in between the eyes. It's just that God will not be used. You know, we, we've heard before from JP two over and over and over again. The opposite of love isn't hate, but use, utility, using somebody for something else. And like God will not be used as our utility for anything. He doesn't want to be used for our, he's not the means, he's the end, you know? He wants a relationship with us and then for social justice to th- flow through us for a- a- anything from the faith to flow from our relationship with him, not I want our society to be just, so maybe I'll bring God with me. <laughs> <laughs> and for the non-Uber Catholics among our listeners, JP2 is Pope St. John Paul II. It's just a, a shorthand that cool Catholics like myself and Taylor that we just use very freely. Who's more known, David, JP2 or Bill and Ted 3? <laughs> <laughs> you do not want to take the poll on that. I'm just telling you. <laughs> yeah, when I was reading this section, it put me in mind of something that our co-host Andrew has said throughout this season about trading sins, that the devil is very happy for some growth in some virtue or even extinguishing some vices just as long as it gets exchanged for a more pernicious sin, a more pernicious vice, particularly pride. So in this case, fine, if you want to achieve a little bit of social justice, that's fine. But I want you to use God as a means, not an end. And Screwtape says that it's really quite easy to coax humans into this kind of mindset. And he notes that of something written by an anonymous Christian, and I did my research, I'm pretty sure it's Reinhold Niebuhr. Uh, And he said that, his version of Christianity really should be adopted because that would be able to survive changing civilizations, Uh, which is such an arrogant thing to say. (laughs) He's saying, you know, Christianity, you know, the thing that survived Roman persecution, uh, the gulags, Nazism, communism, all this other kind of stuff. You know what's really going to survive? It's my version. That's that's what really (laughs) needs the help. I did it. I fixed Christianity. (laughs) (laughs) Now it'll be really resistant. Uh, There's actually a a section in Mere Christianity where Lewis says how unfair Christianity must seem to its opponents. Because every single time they think they've killed it, uh, it springs out again in another another place nearby. And that's hardly surprising because its founder knew a way out of the grave. (laughs) Right. It is. I've always found it interesting that that part of Christianity... Are you a fan of the Marvel movies? This is the second time they've been brought up. Absolutely. So, like, it's it's weird to say this, but stick with me for a second. Christianity and Hydra have that in common, the bad guys <laughs> who are like the Nazis. Because mm-hmm. they were like, you know, if you kill one of us, two will rise in our place. And, that, and, and then it's like, oh, that's scary. But then Christianities are like, the blood of martyrs is the seed of Christians. <laughs> so you kill us, it's only going to grow. So it's like, well, we're, the, we're, we're not the same as Hydra. But in that way, if you try to shut us down, it's only going to grow. <laughs> I'm going to transition properties and say, strike me down and I'll become more powerful than you can ever imagine. Screwtape <laughs> uh, points out what Reinhold was really saying. And, and, that's this, and this is a central idea that Screwtape wants to communicate to the patient. Believe this, not because it's true, but for some other reason. He basically wants the patient to care about utility, not truth. Because it changes the entire playing field of the patient's life if it is based around usefulness rather than what is actually true. Yeah, and I find that this, for at least for me, in my personal experience, has been uh, you love casting crowns. Every song suggestion you have, it's not the one you pick, but it's it's a, it's a contender every you know. But yeah. you've been talking about the slow fade for a while, and like, oh, yeah. yeah. So we start with the truth, right? We start with something. That is good. And like, you know, connecting it to the to the uh, politics point of like a lot of things that, you know, at, at least uh, we as Catholics, a lot of Christians agree with. It's like we when we start tying those those truths to political things, we can start to become uncharitable. I've seen a lot of Christians be very uncharitable in how they treat political issues. So it's like you're it's just like what you were saying, like the, the trading of you know, loving God and loving our neighbor is the basis of our of our faith. And there are other important truths that go into the political realm, uh, things that you know, Christians uh, sh- should be fighting for. And yet, often when we're fighting for them, we're just fighting. Like we're just yelling and being <laughs> uncharitable to people. So it's like, it's like, again, it's that returning to 
the basis of, of what of what we believe. One thing I always like to tell people is like, I might live in what you call a republic, but I really live in a monarchy. Right. <laughs> and it's great because if they're Christians, they think, ah, Jesus. And if they're English, they think, ah, Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right, let's do unscrewing screw tape. Okay. For me, for the first one, the do would be to find Christian community. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, like it has been very helpful for me. Yes, there are there can be pitfalls there, um, but at least like doing Christianity together is how we were meant to do uh, to live out Christianity. I think the do not would be uh, to get complacent within that community and like solely rely on the community. I've I've realized that a lot. Like that, you know, the Our Father isn't the My Father. Like when they the, when the apostles asked Jesus how to pray. He said, yeah. our father. So we're meant to pray communally. And we haven't prayed communally for a year now. And it's affecting our own personal spiritual lives. Um, so find that community, but don't solely rely on it. Like some, like in this last year, there have been a lot of times where we have to say my father because we're not around our, our Christian community. Mm. Well, here are the ones I had. Uh, the first one was fairly similar. Uh, do hang around smart Christians. Screwtape doesn't like it. Do read the New Testament carefully and even-handedly. Do focus on the person of Jesus and not simply on what he said and did. Do not be sucked in by the latest sensational view of Jesus. The original one is good enough. Thank you very much. <laughs> do not make Christianity a means to an end. And do be careful with politics. I think we did it. Do you have any closing thoughts? Words of wisdom? Closing thoughts, yes. Words of wisdom, no. <laughs> Uh, but just th- that means to an end thing is the thing that I've been sitting with uh, all day as I've, as we've been preparing for this and just how like I, I think I'd use God for a lot of things, especially as somebody who makes a living around things of faith um, and and finding a, a, a foundation of like why why do I stay a Christian? And I've had to ask myself that a lot recently with Scandals in our church years ago globally and scandals in our church here locally in the last few weeks. Um, but ultimately, what is like I, I, I stay Christian because I think it's true. And those basic truths of I know I'm a screw up and I cannot live on my own and I need help. And it's 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 returning to those basic truths of um, and that's just really helpful for me because like because like I, I have lost to so many of screw tapes uh Every letter as I read these books, I'm like, yep, I fall into that one, I fall into that one, <laughs> I fall into that one, I fall into that one. Uh, but ultimately, like the the thing that catches me is that foundation uh, uh, that the, the, uh, of the early Christians of of our faith in Jesus. Um, so yeah, that's that's my final thought. Beautiful. <laughs> and where can people go to find all of your stuff? All the stuff is at ForteCatholic.com, F-O-R-T-E. It's the Italian word for loud, uh, more for my realm. It's the musical term for loud uh, because of not only my connection to music, but uh, I'm quite loud. I don't know if you've noticed over the last hour, but uh, I'm a little less loud today. My throat has been hurting, so your listeners were spared, and I was more... (laughs) uh, I will never meet your voice, the smooth, silky British accent, but a little more tapered down today. Uh, but yeah, so I, I have my own podcast that has had some great guests and David on uh, Forte Catholic, wherever you find your podcasts on uh, YouTube or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of those things. And uh, yeah, listen to the podcast I edit like uh, Pints with my, what's what's your wife's one? Dang it. I was trying to make a joke. and it. Just <laughs> <Pints> <laughs> She's Pints with Chesterton. There you go. Go listen to Pints with Chesterton. <laughs> well, I'm going to wrap things up because my audio engineer charges me extra if I go over an hour. So thanks to all of our top tier supporters. Gary, Jake, Stephen, Matt, Jeff, Chris, John, James, Kate, and Rowdy. And please join us next time when we'll continue going further up and further in. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>